Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host, Josh Newberg, and I've got Brendan Sinone here with me. It is just the two of us today. We're here to recap Florida State's second scrimmage of the spring. Uh, Brendan, good morning. It's Sunday. How you doing? How you feeling? Am I talking loudly enough for this episode? Oh, just bring the heat, Brendan. <laughs> I bring think, the heat. I think one thing we realize is sometimes I yell at the beginning of a podcast and that... Uh, alters the audio for the rest of it when zoom can't uh, handle my my intensity so that has been rectified yeah and i think and i do think the volume issues were just on my end i really don't think that it was it had to do with your speaking or your volume i think it was just the way it was recorded because i hear you fine right now yeah I, yeah i, yeah, I catch i catch the bullets per usual that's how it goes that's fine that's, that's my lot in goes. life that's my lot in life all right well we are here on the bench to discuss Florida State's second scrimmage of the spring. They went yesterday morning. Um, it was supposed to be on the field at Dote Campbell Stadium, but the weather didn't really cooperate. It was kind of nasty, so they moved it to the indoor facility. Um, the whole scrimmage took place in the indoor. I just want to sit down with you today, Brendan, and let's start with what are you hearing in terms of just the overall theme coming out of the second scrimmage? The overall theme was that the first team defense was dominant. I think Mark Norvell said it was a dominant performance for the first team defense. And uh, we spoke, I mean, I, I called people, you called people, Chris, Zach, every, we all reached out to sources for this. And the consistent theme was that the first team defense specifically was dominant, uh, specifically going into that. Like, I feel like the feedback that we've gotten and, and heard for the last, I mean, it's kind of been a trend that's been, ramping up in the last week or so, but I think really presented itself on Saturday was that it, the strength of the defense is like the, the middle of it, which seems like a good thing, right? Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, not used a ton on Saturday, but when they were in, dominant. And then the middle behind them, Tatum Bethune continues just to be really, really outstanding this spring. And it seems like a very good addition for Florida State and Kalen Deloach real solid as well. They like those two together. And then finally, Jimmy Robinson and Akeem Dent at safety. Again, middle of the defense going to the final level perform well and especially Akeem mm -hmm. Dent sound like he was great on Saturday multiple turnovers including one great interception on Jordan Travis and someone who uh, is kind of coming into his own a little bit so yeah that that was the main takeaway that I got from from talking to sources yeah and we're gonna get more into the standouts specifically um I I talked yeah I I heard similar but I did talk to somebody on the defensive side of the ball that was maybe a little bit more critical uh he he definitely didn't call their performance dominant uh, I think there was some some lapses in learning. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing that's unexpected. And also something that you hit on. Um, Briggs, Cooper, Lovett, McClendon, I'm told we're all on limited reps, kind of like a pitch count. I think mm. they all got about 20 snaps in the game, in the scrimmage, in the actual scrimmage, um, leading to a lot of the younger guys getting run. So the fact that we are hearing that the defense did did better than the offense, um, 
I think that's due to the young defensive players, actually. You know, a, a lot of the veterans were not getting reps. I do think that some of the transfers were. Um, we heard that Jared Verse flashed. We know that Tatum Bethune had a really good day. So I think that they were still working in some of the veteran transfers, but some of the players like Cooper, like Fabian Lovett, like McClendon, um, I think they sat for most of the scrimmage. And for Briggs, you mentioned him. I think that's a noteworthy detail because mm-hmm. he's on a he's on a pitch count for a different reason. It's because he's coming off of a season-ending uh, lower leg injury from the Louisville game early last year. So mm-hmm. he's been kind of working his way back, and you could tell like he'll do some drills in practice, but working his way back into things a little bit. And you know they they've said that they're moving him back slowly, but for him to get 15, 20 snaps in the live scrimmage is. Uh, that's good. That means he's moving in the right direction. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that there's any injury concerns with any of the names I mentioned. They are just strictly putting them on a pitch count just to make sure that they're going to be healthy. These are the guys that they feel good about. If they're resting veterans, then I would say that they feel good about those guys. Um, this resulted in some, some, some run for some young guys. Like I said, among the names that I was told that stood out Bishop Thomas and Daniel Lyons in the middle. All right. Young guys. Working at defensive end, I'm told Byron Turner, Aaron Hester, Dante Anderson, and Patrick Payton all got a good amount of reps at defensive end and an opportunity to kind of show themselves as some young guys. Um, I think of the group that I just named, probably Patrick Payton stands out as is probably the most ready to go and contribute in this year. I think um, Byron Turner, I'm hearing good things, but just the fact that he was injured all last year and the reps that he missed, he's he's probably a year behind where the development of Patrick Payton is, and that's just because Payton was was healthy last year. Um, Dante Anderson hearing great things, Aaron Hester hearing great things. I don't think either of them um, contribute this year, but there is a lot of uh, praise being heaped among on, on those two guys as well. So exciting day on the defensive line. Oh, worth mentioning, I'm I'm hearing Jarrett Jackson had another good day at camp yesterday. You know, when Jarrett Jackson, it's kind of there's a good Jarrett, bad Jarrett. I, I think when he's dialed in and playing, uh, when there's a level of confidence to how he's played and, and he's mm-hmm. focused. Uh, you you see some tools that are NFL caliber. It's just a matter of, one, him being healthy consistently, being available, and then kind of, you know, channeling that that aggression and that dialed inness, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, the defensive line depth, especially the D-tackle depth, I think is really, really solid. And you mentioned some young names at defensive end. I still would like to see like either one guy kind of pop and emerge or finding someone in the portal at end. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think with Briggs, McClendon inverse is solid. I think that has a chance to be this year average in the power five level ACC, which given what you lost, like I think that's acceptable. It's a matter whether like Patrick Payton ends up being that pass rush specialist and someone who can contribute or how much, how much productivity do you get from Leonard Warner as an edge setter, you know, playing 20 snaps a game? And we've, he's been solid in that yeah, role this spring. I don't know. But I, from what I'm hearing, I think uh, McClendon and Briggs are going to end up being your starting defensive ends yeah, to start the season. I think so, too, with Verse getting a lot of run, too. But McClendon has gotten a lot of praise for how he's reshaped his body. We talked about that, like, in Tour of Duty. He looked markedly different than anyone else. Like, almost like a new person. I, I didn't recognize who he was. He's overhauled he's three his years diet. into the program? Uh, I think this is going into year four now. Yeah, 2019, yeah, this is year four now. And I, you know, I, I had a coach tell me yesterday that McClendon is just ready. He said that good. he's been in this system for a long time. He's been getting bigger. And this is just kind of, you know, like it's his time. Mm-hmm. Which makes he's sense. Ready. Like he's he's 
produced to an extent the last two seasons. I think he's had three to four sacks in each of the last two years, Josh. So like he's he's done some things situationally. Uh, Norvell, mm-hmm. I, I forget if it was Mike Norvell or Adam Fuller who talked about this yesterday on the record, but like they said that for for McClendon that it was last year was him very much so having to rely on like on energy and effort and that physically he wasn't quite there yet and refined like technique still wasn't there as well. And now they've seen the shift in that to where like he has some tools in his bag as a pass rusher, they're mm-hmm. transformed bodies, lost some baby fat and just looks again, very solid. I think he's only listed like at 240, 250, but, but he just, he's really filled out in a way that that seems productive. It has a quick first step now. So I, I mean, if he could be like a five sack, six sack guy and, and help you out in that regard, like, I, man, I, I, I put it this way. I feel better about a lot of positions at this point in the spring. They didn't go into it and defensive end is one of them where I feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, one name that was, that I thought was trending in a positive direction heading into the off season was Quayshon Fuller, but is he factoring it at all? to the defensive end uh, rotation to an extent like you'll even see it in practices josh like he'll have some days where the energy is super evident and he's bringing this juice that he's like oh there's that's why he was a four-star prospect because he has this combination of quick first step powerful hands and, and then he'll kind of you know go do something like jump off size and just kind of loses some focus and i, I do think talking to sources like there is a little bit of okay is it going to happen for him because he's in this, he's on the same class the same cycle as Derek McClendon right. and where the light has kind of flipped on for McClendon it's not quite here that quite there yet for Fuller so we're talking about going into year four like we're talking about now or never territory and then and you have someone like, and like you're talking about some younger guys like a Patrick Payton yeah. like a Byron Turner you guys you're, are ready to seeing, push yep. yeah. mm-hmm. and then and then we need to I know we're talking we might as well talk about it now Jared Verse three sacks mm-hmm. in the scrimmage. And what did you, what did you hear about verse? It sounds like he had another good day. Yeah. Very good day. Uh, Flash. He had at least three sacks in the scrimmage. I was also told, and I reported this um, still learning his responsibilities. Uh, he was out of position on a few key big offensive plays as well. So, you know, these are things that like the average fan might not see on a game film. Um, the offense breaks a big play on FSU's defense. And yeah, Jared verse had three sacks in the game, but there's, just times within the scheme where he doesn't appear in the right place and it can hurt the defense. So that's all good. It's it's we're two weeks, you know, we're, we're 10 practices into spring. It's okay for Jared verse to be out of position on some plays, but those are the things that we're working on. And the thing, and I heard something similar and it was more about like refining his technique that it, mm-hmm. it's still, he's still very raw in that regard, but the things that like you can't control that you can't coach uh, athleticism, uh, just being like an engaged professional uh, mm-hmm. or acting yes. like a and professional. He, he does the point of, your, of the athleticism. I was told that even sometimes he was out of position and still made plays. Yeah. <laughs> like he wasn't in the right place to be, but still made a play. So like, in the coaches, tr- in, in the scrimmage, like they're more, they're paying more attention to the details. Like, are you in the right position? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Oh, well he made a sack on the play. So it's okay. They're going to still get in on Jared verse and make sure he's in the right position what fans are going to like this like on thursday's practice and thursday's practice he um he was super chippy and chirping a lot and getting in the face of offensive players and like scrapping with them a little bit and he was he came into the practice field talking trash with uh 
it was Micah Pittman. I don't know why Micah Pittman was talking trash with him. Micah Pittman was saying, like, I could block you if I played offensive tackle. And Verse, like, Verse took that personally and carried that Good. with them through the entire practice. So, like, he's cut from the right cloth in, in that regard. All right. Ton, of ta- ton to talk about on the defensive line because there's so many personnel changes and position mm-hmm. battles going on. Um, but at linebacker, it's kind of the exact opposite. You got your two guys in the middle. You got Tatum Bethune and you got Kalen Deloach. And from what I'm hearing, they love those starters. But after that, there's a drop off. And I think that's the biggest concern at the linebacker position right now. So uh, the one thing I'll say is like, I think like the drop off is because one Tatum Bethune elevates your linebacker play mm-hmm. so much. And I think Kalen Deloach has taken another step. It, like I've heard like they really like what those two guys do together in terms of they're yes. kind of cut from a similar cloth. You know what I mean? Um, where they're, you got South Georgia, South Florida, both, both are, are super gritty and how they, how they attack the game of football and like very, they pay attention to coaching and they're becoming really good communicators. And Tatum has been really good for Kalen in that regard. I don't, I don't get the feeling that they dislike their backups with Lundy and Amari Gaynor. I, I think it's more just like the starters are ascending and separating themselves. Like right. Gaynor's had a good couple of days and they really like Omar Graham, maybe not this season, but maybe this season too. Like potentially the freshman does look, man, they've hit on every single freshman in this defensive class. Um, or a defensive player in this freshman class, I should say. Like, I think, yeah, I'm not saying they're all going to be starters or stars, but, like, there's no one who doesn't belong at this level. Like, they're all power five guys, from what I can tell. So I, I think they've done done well in that regard, and he's part of it. But, yeah, I, I don't think the linebacker depth is poor. It's certainly better than it was a year ago when you were having to start DJ Lundy or Margainer all the time. Now those guys can be backups, which I think is probably just more appropriate. I, I think you have two steady starters at the power five level at linebacker. And there is a fall off after that. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. All right. Anything else you're hearing from the scrimmage at the linebacker position, or should we move on to the defensive backfield? No, let's go. Let's go DBs. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the defense with the defensive backfield. Uh, overall hearing a lot of good things about Akeem Dent. Um, who else stood out during FSU's second scrimmage? Yeah. Let's shine a light on Akeem Dent real quick because mm-hmm. He had what sounds like the, the play of the day, which was Jordan Travis isolated a wide receiver one on one, and Akeem did this one other time in, uh, I think it was the start of the spring. They're all kind of blurring together at this point, but I think it was at the start of the spring, and uh, and Jordan isolated a receiver one on one, and you know threw a threw a deep fade and said, okay, I got my guy downfield. That's what you look for. And Akeem covered ground so quickly that he wasn't even really in Jordan's field of vision. And he came, flew over, and made the pick. That's the nice. second time he's done that this this uh, spring. And all of a sudden, he's catching the football, which you know, people, longtime mm. FSU fans, are like, "Yeah, that's a little different." And it just sounds like it's a matter of, of confidence, and they're working it. And and he's been more productive. So he has two interceptions on the day, and kind of is moving into what you thought he was going to be. And apparently, Josh, like the day started with him giving up a touchdown to White Rector in the corner of the end zone uh, during red zone drills, and that essentially pissed him off and got him kind of dialed in for the rest of the day. So, uh, yeah, that's good. You see the response when there's a failure and then you, you turn that into something productive. So Akeem Dent, good day. Uh, Jamie Robinson has been kind of limited at times this spring. One of those, like they know what they have with him. He's kind of back mm-hmm. in the mix and they really like what they have with those two guys. And then uh, McClellan as well. Uh, a McClellan has been kind of a communicator, steady veteran presence too with safety. I heard good things about Shaheen Brown, which not a big surprise because he's kind of been coming into his own the last 
he's had good moments throughout the spring, but this week has been kind of an ascension for him uh, and heard he's just been very active flying around and, and the athleticism starting to kind of show, which we, he lost it at times last year. I don't know if it was kind of hitting the rookie wall or, or confidence, but the stuff that we heard about him in camp uh, didn't really translate over to, to the field and practice during the season. So he's starting to kind of uh, resettle in a little bit. It seems like. I think it was a confidence thing um, mm-hmm. because talking to some coaches this, this spring, they feel like he's playing very fast. He's playing very physical. And that was something that maybe he was lacking at times last season. So to me, it's not like Shaheem Brown forgot how to run and forgot how to hit. I just think that he was probably out there, you know, whether it was mentally he wasn't confident or physically he wasn't confident, whatever it was, mm-hmm. it seems like he's taken that step. And yeah, I think he he did have a, a good scrimmage and he's made some strides this spring. It, and they're putting him uh, on that point, Josh, they're putting him next to veteran players. So either like mm-hmm. a Jamie Robinson or a Jarquez McClellan. And I don't think that's by accident like i think they're doing that to help with the communication and help with someone who's going to be able to give them feedback like from a player instead of a coach like as things are happening that helps you be more engaged uh so yeah that that seems like a pleasant development if you can get him to kind of be your third or fourth safety in the rotation this year and then contribute a lot on special teams i think he's someone who can maybe be starting by like 2023 so that that yeah. sounds good uh what about in the at cornerback do you get any any good scoop at the the, the corners I heard AZ Thomas had a good scrimmage. Of course, of course he did. All you know, consistent, all everything, just anything that you could ask for from a freshman. He's he's providing that. Um, I was told this was a quote on Sam McCall. He has all the talent in the world. Still, long way to go. Struggled some today. Okay, and I think that that was is just kind of Sam McCall and and almost any true freshman in a nutshell, right? Like a true freshman that's pressing for time on the field has all the talent in the world, but at times he probably looks completely lost. And I think that's kind of what we're going through with Sam McCall. I'm not concerned. As long as he's healthy, we're going to see him get uh, a significant amount of playing time this season. His Thursday practice was, I think the the picture that I'll paint here is exactly what you're just talking about. Josh is there's a point earlier on, like when they have him work uh, kickoff return or punt return, I think it was kickoff return like he wasn't sure of the rules of like how to down the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. And like what that means. So those are some things that you're going to kind of going through a little bit as a young player later on in practice, he was all over the place. Like they finished up with some situational work in the 11 on 11, where he was like locking up Johnny Wilson. He had at least one interception. He may have had two on the day, but he had multiple PBUs. He was just super engaged and active and athleticism was like flashing. And then he also had a, a PI during that, uh, during that situation as well. So you see the good, you see the bad, he's working through things, but the, like the athletic skills are just evident with him. They are so crystal clear of like what he can be. And I, I, my voice is cracking as I'm getting excited, thinking about the potential of Sam. Don't Nazario cry. Thomas. Don't cry about it. Don't cry about it. <laughs> what if Thomas right. was here too? <laughs> Anything else in the secondary in terms of, competition at cornerback what are we hearing on cooper oh. Knowles, any of those guys yeah so murray and cooper duke cooper has just been if not the most i think the tatum bethune has maybe been the most steady performer any position group this spring and i think amari and cooper on defense is probably not too far behind i mean it just sounds like he's he's really taken the confidence that he got from starting last season and carried it over to this year knock on wood chris and i talked about this last week josh like i don't think there's gonna be a sophomore slump with him if it is it's not presenting itself right now like we're not seeing signs of it he's been really dialed in and 
consistent in how he's approached each day and impactful with that length and physicality showing up. Opposite of him is kind of like what they're trying to figure out what the other cornerback position is going to be. Where's Kevin Knowles figure in? Where does Greedy Vance right. figure in? Like who's going to be at the slot? Who's going to be outside? The X factor of this group and someone I think who's changing it for the better is Renardo Green. Uh, mm. He moved back to cornerback this spring. Uh, and he talked about like that being his favorite cornerback who's performed so far through the, the eight or nine practice that we've been able to see. They love Renardo's uh, approach to the game. Like he just plays. He he's someone who's described his game as Wolverine, right? So he he feels like like he has that kind of that scrappiness to him. And now that he's healthy, uh, he is just able to kind of unlock that level of physicality and and kind of playing like how he did when he was you know a true freshman or a high school senior. So those are things that are presenting itself to where he's going to push for a starting spot and and maybe helps you. Uh, have some stability opposite of Marion Cooper and kind of let you to, to mix and match with the other pieces at, at cornerback. Okay. Let's flip it to the offensive line. I feel like we were pretty thorough there with the defense. So let's see if we can keep that same intensity with the offense. Uh, let's start at quarterback uh, before we get to offensive line. Let's start at quarterback. Mike Norvell, let's just sum it up. Mike Norvell had a pretty telling statement toward the end at the end of the scrimmage uh, mm-hmm. when he addressed the media. What did he say about the quarterback competition? So he was asked directly, and this was coming after saying, you know, the, the first team defense dominated. So that means it would have dominated against the first team offense, Jordan Travis, and the, the second team offense had some good explosiveness on the day that that would be led by Tate Rotomaker, typically. So mm-hmm. uh, he was asked directly by a reporter if Tate was kind of he, he was presented to him as like hey this is supposed to be Jordan's time is Tate Rotomaker pushing Jordan Travis right now uh, Mike Norvell's response was no I mean Jordan is our starting quarterback I think I had what I would describe as a little bit of a grin I think at the question so Jordan has done a phenomenal job I think you better have competition at every position does that push guys yes you need to be pushed everybody does but one thing I'll tell you I love about Jordan is that he's it's not a push of another person. It's the push he has himself. I went on to talk about all the quarterbacks. And, man, listen, like FSU, Tate Rotomaker has progressed this spring in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was ready to write him off. I don't think we can write him off just yet. Still need to see what he does when the bullets are flying. I think the spring game will be a good indication of that. And I feel a little bit better about what he provides there than what they had going in the spring. A.J. Duffy, I think they're really excited about what he's going to be long-term. But still, he, he should be a high school senior right now. He's still kind of swimming at times, but they do like that he doesn't make the same mistakes over and over again. He learns from them, adapts, builds, grow on. Uh, Jordan Travis had probably his worst practice of the spring on Saturday. Mm. But a few caveats here one he hasn't had bad practices like this is the first multi-turnover day for him of the spring so 10 practices and you have one day where you have multiple turnovers like okay that's that's fine uh you're allowed to have a bad day just can't turn into two to three bad days you can't have that quicksand where you kind of fall into it a little bit but two and we'll get into it josh like the offensive line was not at 100 percent, and i think that um let's get though- into it Oh, you want to get into it? All right, yeah, because I don't think there's much to talk about at the quarterback position. I agree with you. I, from everybody I talked to, I'll just say this. like Throughout the spring, I'm being told that Jordan Travis is the least of their concerns. That people that have been around the program for two or three years that have watched Jordan feel like he's throwing the ball the best he's ever thrown it. He's playing the position the best he's ever played it. Now, this is all relative to 
to to Jordan, but there's a development taking place and everybody around Jordan sees it. And there's just, there's really not a lot of concern in terms of his ability to play the position. Most of the concern lies with the offensive line. So Brendan, what were you hearing coming out of the scrimmage? Well, if the first team defensive line dominated, that means that someone had to be dominated against, right? That's how, that's Mm -hmm. how these practices work. That's something that the fan base, I think still has to work through is like, Hey, when someone does something well, that usually means someone did something poorly. Really. We have to always kind of provide that caveat. Uh, yeah, man, it just one. I, I don't think that they were, and I don't have a hunt. Like I wasn't there; I had to see it with my own eyes. So, like, they weren't a hundred percent with like the guys that they were rolling in with the offensive line, and I think that's part of it that kind of exposes some of the depth that you have mm-hmm. up there. Uh, but yeah, just not a great day for the line. They pressure was pretty consistent for them. Sounds like they had a, more missed assignments than they would have liked, which was kind of the case last scrimmage as well. And those are things that. Yeah, I believe Alex Atkins thinks that can get cleaned up pretty easily when you're they're still also doing so much mixing and matching of guys at different spots. So like Darius Washington will work at like right tackle or left tackle, right guard. He's worked at center before. So yeah, they're still trying to figure things out. But I think what that exposes you to at this point in the spring when you're not close to being a finished product is guys not having continuity or chemistry. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that was I'll put it this way. It made it to where it was really hard to evaluate Jordan Travis on the day when you were playing at that much of a disadvantage, uh, snap to snap bases. Uh, that uh, just, it really limits you. Sounds like the second team offensive line did open up some, some rushing lanes and they were able to do that a little bit. Uh, that was not existent for the first group. Yeah. I was kind of told this wasn't that this wasn't like a bad day for the offensive line. I was told that this is just the work in progress that is the offensive line. This is just how things are. It's not like they went out there and everybody was shocked at how bad they played. Like, this is just the offensive line. They're work in progress. I don't think Lyles played, or at least he was very limited. So, you know, your transfer from Wisconsin doesn't play. Um, there was, like Brendan said, there was probably some other key pieces that were out as well. So we got to, you know, so... Basically, it wasn't necessarily a patchwork offensive line, but it it definitely held the offense back a little bit during the scrimmage. Um, still needs to develop. There still needs to be some just continuity up there. Um, I don't know necessarily if these injuries are going to be long lasting, but you know this this is just the 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 matter of fact how the offensive line is. Injuries are going to be a part of the game. It, we, we haven't seen. <laughs> this offensive line make it out injury free. So, you know, you got to get, you got to see what you got um, in, in terms of depth pieces as well. And I think we're learning that Florida state probably needs to hit the portal again, Brendan. Oh, we can, we can talk about what we would do with the portal. I think we should do a reevaluation of portal pieces and then uh, scholarship allocation, your favorite topic, Josh, uh, at the end of the show here, but, um, okay. we'll but, yeah, but yeah, so offensive line with injuries. So I, you know, Thomas Schrader was, back practicing about 15 20 snaps so like full full speed which is really really good because he's someone who's been brought along slowly with a, a pretty serious leg injury last spring mm-hmm. uh it's someone who like they think really highly of like he was talking about in the same breath of robert scott when they were true freshmen uh robert's been able to stay healthy for the most part and thomas has had injuries you know some minor ones and one pretty significant one and and so yeah if you get him back that does help out the depth interior offensive line quite a bit Sounds like Darius Washington got rolled up on. I'm not entirely sure of of what's happening there, but I I get the feeling he's probably out for the remainder of the spring, Josh. And and then it doesn't sound like anything that's going to carry over into like 
2022 season, but yeah, that, that will probably limit it. What you can do with your offensive line options for the remainder of you know, the next five practices here. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, let's switch it over to running back. Uh, we'll talk more about the offensive line when we talk about uh, allocation to new scholarships, but let's talk about running back. And one of the guys that we all heard stood out was Trey Benson, the transfer from Oregon. They, he looks the part like when we're there, like, yeah, he, he's six foot, 215 pounds, well-built and, and plays really light on his feet. And that stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, Chris and I are observing watching him. Uh, but then the feedback we get is also very similar to what we're seeing is they like how, uh, basically they like how he moves. Like they, they just, they think he's very fluid at his size and showing signs of becoming a natural runner, you know, without having a lot of like reps at the college level. He's still kind of working into like making the right reads, the right cuts, uh, the right running tracks, but uh, they they do like him there. Apparently, he had a long, a long touchdown run on Saturday, about fifty yards, and that's been two scrimmages in a row now where he's he's shown really well. So Trey Benson, yeah. they like anything on him. Do you want to add, Josh? No, I just heard that he had the long run and he looked good. I, I is there any hope? Is there any uh, fight from DJ Williams to uh, kind of be a contributor this year? There've been a couple guys who've like ascended this past week. That I don't know why, but it's been like two or three really solid days. So they're just putting them together. Shaheen Brown was one of them. Uh, Jared versus had good moments, but he's kind of turned it on the last few days. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, on offense, DJ Williams seems to be in that category. He had a really strong Thursday practice catching the ball. He had like one nice reception where he plucked the ball out of the air. We used strong hands and his hands have been shaky at times during his career. So that was good to see, but also uh, turning the corner and, and showing some athleticism. Sounds like he did similar stuff during Saturday's scrimmage. So, you know, another guy who, yeah, I was ready to wave the white flag on entering the spring and, and he's not going down without a fight. So sounds like he was good. And then Rodney Hill, I'll, I'll throw his name out there too, Josh. He's mm-hmm. someone that they're excited about as a, a true freshman. I think he's a reason, a reason why Corey Wren left in the transfer portal because yeah. you have a similar gadgety guy with speed who I think has a little bit more like agility left to right, uh, a, a little more juice in this game. Could have better hands as well. Well, Corey, he is a more natural pass catcher than Corey Rennes. I, I think that's reasonable. So someone who yeah, I'm not sure how Rodney Hill factors in this season, but sounds like he had a couple touchdowns in the scrimmage on Saturday and someone who continues to make the most of his reps this spring. So another guy in the freshman class who I, I think, again, is a hit. Uh, I think you hit on him. I think he'll he'll be someone who helps out during his career here. Yeah. All right. We move from running back. Let's go over to wide receiver. We heard Micah Pittman stood out. Who else had a good scrimmage yesterday? Yeah, Micah Pittman does fall into that that category of someone who's just putting a day, putting together good day after good day. I think they they feel pretty good on him, and they like that he does dirty work as well. Like he's willing to block outside. He's someone that you, you hope be a punt returner for them. He's someone that you can get the ball to in a variety of ways. But he just makes plays downfield, this and he's is, done this consistently. This, this is a good trend. I'm going to interrupt you. We're hearing all of the transfers coming in. You said Jared Verse came in and he had a little edge to him. You said, you know, Tatum Bethune, he, he has a little edge to him. Now you hear about DJ Williams putting together a couple of good days. These transfers are bringing, at a minimum, they're bringing some solid competition to the roster. At a minimum. Yeah, like, I, I mean... Like if we want to go, to, it's kind of funny, Josh. Like if you go back and when you, Chris, and I did our list of like how we thought who the, we thought the most impactful transfers would be, I think we had 
uh, Caden Lyles up there was like a one or a two. And then we had uh, Winston Wright as, as like a three or like mm-hmm. a two or three. And Winston Wright obviously hasn't been able to go this spring with his his injury, uh, unfortunately. And then Caden Lyles has been kind of limited at times uh, that you indicated earlier. So mm-hmm. the guys who we thought would be the like most impactful ones this year haven't been available so far at, at points this spring. And really it's that middle that, the juice. The you know, middle tier of the guys, it, it's that middle tier of guys. Like we weren't sure what Tatum Bethune was going to be jumping up to the, the power five level. He belongs at the power five level. He'll start for Florida state this right. year uh, and, and he'll probably be solid. Micah Pittman. I looks like you hit that on that one. Uh, Trey Benson. He belongs at this level. He'll get 50 to hundred carries this year. I would say confidently, like he'll, he'll be a part of the three man running back rotation without a doubt. So uh, you've you've been able to hit on some of these guys we weren't sure on. Uh, Johnny Wilson is someone who he apparently had like one big catch on Saturday, but kind of kind of comes and goes as to like when he he'll heat uh, heat up a little bit and then he'll kind of get a little cold and kind of yeah. what we've been hearing on him. Yeah, yeah, but like the upside, like when he is, we the ability to do something special does exist there. It's a matter of kind of harnessing it and that being consistent. Uh, at wide receiver, I'm trying to think of who else we have uh, at the wide receiver spot as we transition from transfers I, I, to receivers. Did Kentron make some yeah. plays? He did. He did. Norvell gushed about him afterwards. It sounded like he mm-hmm. had his best practice of the spring, and that's coming off of a last scrimmage where he probably had his worst practice of the sc- spring. Right. I feel like we, I feel like we've had this storyline before with Kentron. I think it was last fall camp where he had a, a bad scrimmage and then a great one, and so that's kind of what Kentron has has been. But I will say this, he's someone, again, the Ascension, the guys who've had two or three really good practices in a row, he had a really good Thursday practice as mm-hmm. well, uh, being physical, catching the ball, and uh, just being athletic and kind of kind of stringing some good plays together. So it sounds like yeah. he was a, a standout on Saturday as well. Okay, good. And and we're hearing that guys like Pokey, you know, even though we say that these transfers are coming in and they're bringing the juice, but the guys are stepping up. I've heard that Pokey's having a great spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentron's having a great spring. Keyshawn Helton, while you know he's not out there competing for the one or two spot on Florida State's offense, he is going to contribute. He's playing well. So I think some of these transfers, that's what they've done. And even if you look back at last year, like Dylan Gibbons, is he's he's one of the instigators on offense. You know, it, it mm-hmm. seems like these transfers are bringing a different edge, a different attitude to the team, and that that that's helpful right now. They they need that. Um, Greedy Vance is a name too that he we talk about bringing yeah. edge like he is uh, scrappy what he, what he brings to practice is so hard to measure like I don't know what he's going to do in games I don't know how reliable <laughs> he's going to be I, I don't but we're going to find out he he gets under Pokey Wilson's skin in a way that makes mm-hmm. Pokey Wilson a better player like there's some inherent value to that that's hard to quantify but it is valuable tight end Whoop. tell me about it uh this kind of position group kind of comes and goes. Her uh, white record did have a touchdown in the red zone, and he's consistently, I think, been the best Ted in the spring. I don't know if you heard it on the last podcast, Josh. I forced Chris Knee into corner to also say that White Rector has been the most consistent tight end this spring, and Zach said so without being forced. He was. I'll believe it when I hear it on the Noel cast. Oh, we will see. <laughs> we will see uh, what the feedback that that Bud and Ingram are getting, but uh. Yeah, I mean Cam McDonald's had some good days, kind of like ramping up this week, which is which is good. I think he heard, I think he heard Knee on the podcast last week say that he hasn't seen much from Cam McDonald, and it seems like Cam 
Cam heard it as what I'm going to assume and is using that as fuel and just listening to Chris Nee saying he needs to see more from Cam McDonald over and over again. He's just listening to it. Maybe um, he just, maybe Cam's just heard you gushing over YY so much that uh, that's why he turned maybe, in a big performance. Maybe, uh, but you know, I mean, there's but what, like, so he so he was maybe. Uh, is he being used in more of a playmaker role or is he use, being used to block? I mean, what's, what's, what are we seeing from Cam McDonald this spring? Uh, so I, I think he's at his best. What we've seen is in that playmaker role when you kind of flex him out a little bit and, and get him, get him moving because he, mm-hmm. he has that bounciness and athleticism uh, when you can get him kind of moving into the middle of the field. And that's what I've liked in the last couple of days, Josh, like, he's asserting himself and like that six foot four frame is showing up. He's going up and getting the ball, taking hits when he goes up and gets it. That's what you need to see consistently from him. Cause like he, he looks like an NFL tight end. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, is he going to be aggressive and assertive all the time? And I think that's where honestly, like I know we joke about it, but like it's where having someone like Wyatt Rector, like pick up his game forces someone like Cam McDonald to, to elevate hit. And there is importance to that. It's still a position group that needs to be, more productive given the amount of scholarships that you've allocated to it. I, I don't think anyone can argue that Jackson West is someone I think that is kind of figuring things out. And there was a play on Thursday's practice where he got the ball. Um, and I, and I, it's funny, I joked about it the other day. I was like, man, if you could just get him the ball like five yards downfield, like automatically without like having to worry about the catching part or like the route running and just be like, here's the ball. And all of a sudden you're, you're running forward. That essentially happened where they got a little like dump off to him and he got the ball in the flat and he took off. Uh, and it was Sidney Williams who Sidney lays the wood. Like Sidney's one of the bigger mm-hmm. hitters on the team. Those two collided about 15, 20 yards downfield and Jackson West with 15, 20 yards to get going, uh, finished, finished the damn run in a way that was impressive. So, you know, there are things there. I think that I'm more optimistic on that position group than everyone else's. Uh, you just got to understand what it is. Like this probably isn't going to be a group that has a 500, 600 yard receiving threat this year uh, but it's one yeah. that you have guys do things situationally well and help complement the offense like yeah that, do, you, that is- do you think that jackson west has the highest ceiling in the room he or marcus and douglas right now they, they legitimately think marcus can play on sundays uh but i want to see more from him like it, for him to have that kind of hype like it's not it's not always there in practice like he kind of comes and goes like the days where he shows himself like when he yeah. is when he does emerge though, like you're like, Oh, that's six, four, 260 pounds with big, soft hands uh, moves fairly well at 260 pounds. Like it's there. It's just for all these guys, it's a matter of consistency and can you channel it all the time? And I think Brian Courtney down the road may end up, I'll tell you what, he's athletic. He moves well. Uh, he actually attacks the ball really well for someone who's never played before, but I think you're probably looking at like a year or two project there before you you're saying he could be something. Okay, well, there's 12 more on the roster. Maybe they'll get something from one of those guys. No comment. All right. What else we got on the offensive side of the ball? Is that it? Did we did we hit on all the positions? Do you think Kenny Dillingham can hear you like all the way in Oregon when you're talking smack about the the tight end allocation? You think like he just like it's shivers going down his spine where he just gets like these sense that Josh is talking shit about the tight ends? Uh, I'm sure there's a good one in there somewhere. <laughs> um, it's like a grab bag. You just got to stick your hand down in there. There's a lot of them. I'm sure they'll pull one out. That'll be quality. Or just take more. Just take more tight ends. No comment. They do need more. If there was uh, a transitioning to, to man, if there was a tight end in the transfer portal who had like 500 yards last they would year, like a group of five, they would go, they, they would go him. after him. Sure. They would go after him. Yes. Yeah. All right. 
Well, you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about scholarship allocation real quick? Yeah, that's actually where we should go. Wrap this thing up. All right. So we know that Florida State has room for more additions from the transfer portal after spring. We've been talking about this since mm-hmm. December. You know, we knew that they were going to still add, make some additions. Um, Dylan they're, Gibbons they, was a prospect at, that they signed on May 10th of last year. That they, they got a commitment from on May yep. 10th. Cushney, they got a little bit later. Uh, so yeah, there there will be a wave right. Uh, mm-hmm. After the spring, not for Florida State, there'll be a wave of Florida State players who probably exit. Imagine, you know, three or four probably will, will continue to leave. Oh, for sure. Because uh, right now, so that's what I was going to say. They're at eighty-six to eight after the departures of Jarvis Brownlee and Corey Wren, based on my mm-hmm. based on my calculations. Uh, eighty-six to eighty-seven guys currently is what they project for, assuming everyone who is supposed to enroll, you know, in the in the second part of the the off season enrolls, they'll have eighty-six to eighty-seven. So you still need uh, at least two or three to leave to get under 80 or to get to 85. So one or two, excuse me, to leave, to get to 85. And then mm-hmm. if you want to take three or four more to get the full uh, allocation of scholarships, you'll, you'll need a few more to leave. So yeah. that'll probably We've happen. seen two players enter the transfer portal before the second scrimmage of the spring. Right. We're definitely going to see some players <laughs> enter the transfer portal after spring. Yes. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. They I'm saying either writing or, on the wall, they see the depth charts. They see that they're in year four of their FSU career and some redshirt freshman is passing them on the depth chart. Yeah. That means it's time to go. Or they graduate so they can use, you know, be a grad yeah. transfer as well. So yeah, there's things that, yeah, the semester ends. Um, so let's I, say so three four. or four. Let's go with four. Let's go with okay. four. Nice even right. number. Let's right, say, and, and here's what I think. I think Florida State can take up to four. Like, I think that talking to some sources, I think that they can. Now, will they take up to four? I don't know. But mm-hmm. if they had four available scholarships, Brendan, how are you using them? All right. I'm taking at least two. I'm starting off with at least two, and I'm going to workshop it here. But at least two, I'm putting on the offensive line. It could be a guard. It could be a center. It I if we can get a tackle in there and say like that's going to alleviate everything, great. I'm not going to hold my breath. Best available. You're taking two I will best available. Give me quality, like, and I'll take one project. And I'll take one, you know, low, low ceiling, high floor guy. Give me, give me two to help out. Um, yeah, at least two on the offensive line. Okay. <sighs> do you agree with that? How many would you? Well, do we want me just to go through what I would do and then I, you can pick I, it apart here? Uh, no, I, I would go, I'm just going to take one at the offensive line. And I agree with you. It's just going to be best available because at this point, Florida state has been trying to recruit, uh, offense an impact offensive tackle out of the transfer portal for three off seasons now, and they haven't been able to land one. Um, you know, say what you want about Devontae Love Taylor. I don't think that's exactly I mean, what he, Florida state was looking uh, for. He, I mean, Hey, if you would have gotten, if you would have gotten, five five versions of Devontae Love Taylor on that 2020 line but like his mm-hmm. 2020 version you would that, that would be the best offensive line that Florida State's had right but even in, still in he, five he, years. he he wasn't an impact offensive tackle in the sense of what we're looking for in he that's a good example of just taking the best available he was a he's a guard who was playing tackle and won because he was smart and right. played hard and you but that's what I'm saying it's like that's fine you can mess with that give me five of those guys and that's that's going to get you at a place we're on the same page because okay. i think that's kind of like what, what they have florida to do state, yeah that's kind of what they have to do all right so we're on the same page here. i think florida state should take one offensive lineman best mm-hmm. available um if it's a tackle great if not still take him then with my second pick i'm going to stay on offense and i'm going to take a wide receiver 
um, simply because I'm not counting on Winston Wright this season. And he was the guy that we were counting on to be like the right. contributor of the contributors in that group of four transfers. Mm-hmm. Now that we see what we have with Deuce Span, I'm not ready to say that he's going to contribute at all in 2022. So I think you do need to take a transfer wide receiver mm-hmm. um, because of Winston Wright being down and because of the fact that I don't think Deuce Span. So that leaves you Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman not enough to bolster that room in my opinion. Um, and then I think that you take a tight end with the third. If, if you got, if you got a legitimate tight end that fits your offense and mm-hmm. is a, is a playmaker. And then with my last pick, I take a pass rusher. Um, I think my tight end take is a little controversial. There might be some in the Moore center that would rather use that scholarship on a linebacker on a DB somewhere else but let me tell you uh, i i've been watching that tight end room and of the 12 guys or 15 guys in there i'm taking another all right so a few things to unpack here first off no quarterback on your list here uh so you're are you okay with going in with into the season with three and i think i am but i, I am okay. I, I i you know what i'm just at this point if jordan goes down we're just tanking the season. We're going for the first round draft. Pick. You always use you use take in college football. That's not how it works. Uh, I have we're changed. taking for Desmond Ricks. If, maybe the, if, if he goes down. <laughs> uh, so maybe that this is the best way I can describe the growth of Tate Rotomaker. Somewhere in between me, like laughing at people thinking he's going to push Jordan Travis to start, but not but somewhere between there and like if Jordan Travis did go down I think Tate could come in there and operate the offense in a way where it's not a complete and utter meltdown like maybe it's been in past years because you got to be realistic about it what quarterback is transferring we know why guys transfer guys transfer because they want to play more not because they want to go and be a, a a solid backup Right. Remember that like and, the division two quarterback entered the portal yes. a month or two and everyone was like, that's the guy Florida state needs. But then I reached out to someone who who was familiar with them and they're like, he's going to go to a power five or excuse me, a group of five school where he, he can start play. for two years. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't even convince a division two quarterback to be your backup quarterback yeah. knowingly, which makes sense. In theory, but- in theory, it sounds great, Brendan. We're going to mm-hmm. get a qualified backup that is going to come in and, and just be, be there. If Jordan goes down, that sounds mm-hmm. great in theory. But in practice, it just it, it it doesn't work because, like you said, these guys are not leaving their current situation, if they're any good, to mm-hmm. go and be a backup to a five-win team. You're right. You're trying to – and so you're basically trying to find an, a version of Alex Hornerbrook is what you need to to attract, right? Someone and if, who and – if, And if Jordan Travis goes down, does Alex Hornibrook make a big difference? Is it worth – taking Alex Hornibrook over a pass rusher? Is it worth taking an Alex Hornibrook type player over a wide receiver? And that's where the development of Tate Rotomaker, I think is important because we, we know what the, like we've talked about what the, the drop off was the last two years when Jordan Travis is in the game versus when he is, they haven't won a game that Jordan Travis hasn't started other than Jacksonville state in 2020. And that's because Jordan Travis came off the bench and saved their ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you get to the point now where it's like, okay, if, if you have to play Tate for a couple series or a full game, it's not going to be that level of drop-off. And listen, if Jordan Travis is, misses a month, it doesn't matter who your backup court. Like you're missing like a guy who's that important. Like I don't think 
at that point of the season is what it is if you're losing. Mm-hmm. And that's almost any team in the country, unless you're Oklahoma and you're replacing Spencer Rattler with Caleb Williams last, like more or less, if you lose your starting quarterback, the chances of you having a successful season, if that quarterback's gone for a long duration is unlikely. So I am, I have changed my tune with this. I didn't think they needed to go get a starting quarterback this off season. I thought that was going to be really hard to find someone who was quantifiably better than Jordan Travis. And now that we're at this point in the off season, I am, I was at the let's see if you can find a capable backup to have four bodies in the quarterback room, but seeing the growth of Tate Rotomaker and seeing just how difficult that mark is going to be to find like a legitimate someone between a Tate and a Jordan Travis from a skill set perspective. Plus, I'm, we kind of knew Brendan actually in, in, in reality, we know who they were targeting. They weren't targeting an Alex Hornibrook type. Think back if Kenny stays, if Kenny doesn't get offered the job at Oregon. Bo Nix goes Bo to Nicks. Oregon. Yeah, would have been Bo someone. Nicks. They and were is, waiting on Bo Nix. And is Bo Nix better than Jordan Travis? I think you're both. I think they're. I think you're talking about a similar type of like upside. Ceiling. I'm just saying that's who we right. who we know that they were going to pursue. Um, it wasn't you, like they you, were you, waiting on Al, an Alex Hornibrook type. They were actually waiting on a starting SEC quarterback. And would have then had another position battle in, in the spring again. Yeah, I don't know that 100%. Uh, you, you would know better than I would on that. But I, I think um, regardless. Well, look where Bo Nix ended up going. He, you know, but this current, still, this, this know, staff is currently comprised. Different. This staff is currently comprised, like is all in on Jordan Travis. And I think that's like, it's a different staff than it was mm-hmm. six months. And Kenny likes Jordan Travis. So that's not even, that's what we're getting. But I think the market is what the market is at this point. Yes. Like. If you could have gotten someone with starting experience to really create a competition there, like, sure. I just don't think that exists at this point. And um, I think they're very confident with Jordan Travis. I think they really like what, what Jay Trav brings to the table. I think it's about now finding the right supporting cast for him. So with that in mind, two offensive linemen for me is what I will do. Uh, give me two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not on. So you have two pass catchers that you would like to optimally uh, allocate to. I know with Winston Wright, we're TBD on like how he's going to recover from that injury and the fact that football is even in the discussion at all for him is awesome. Uh, but I think with Micah Pittman and the progress you've seen from like Ja'Kai Douglas, Malik McLean, mm-hmm. I, I will put allocate one scholarship to a pass catcher, whether that's hey. a tight end or a wide receiver. I'm fine with either one of those. But I so I have two to offensive line. One, two, pass catcher, and I will take my other one and I will put it at a, a twitchy defensive end who can help you out and create, like, give you a legit six-man rotation at defensive end and maybe push for for a starting mm-hmm. spot. Um, but, but, yeah, I – and if you can't get that, then I would take that extra scholarship and throw it to one more offensive lineman. Linebacker. Nope. I'd go one, one more, more linebacker. I would go – Brendan, nope. if nope. there's two injuries at the linebacker position, what are we doing? And it's what you were last year, which is DJ Lundy starting. And DJ Lundy is legitimately faster than he was last year. And, you know, you'll probably have someone who's – don't laugh. Like, it's true. You'll probably have someone who's still limited in coverage but good against the run. I just think they're razor thin at the position. I think that they love their starters at the position, and then there's a big fall off. So if there was an extra scholarship, I think – the linebacker position. I'm, I'm higher on the. I take a defensive back. Who I'm, hi- I'm higher Who on the. Who are we kidding, Brendan? What about my four DVs? My other, my other thought was, what if you took four offensive linemen and you just said, let's just go numbers and just wouldn't hate it. We will throw everything we can into seeing what we catch at this position group. That would be the other path. Wouldn't so, bother me one bit. 
All right. This this pod has gone twice as long as I promised you. It it's would, okay. Would it went it went really good. You did great, Brendan. Thanks, Josh. You too, buddy. All right. Before we get out of here, it, we have to mention that Florida State landed another 2023 commitment. This one from three-star wide receiver Darren Lawrence out of Seminole Sanford, Florida. Goldie. Uh, Seminole High School. Yes. He goes by Goldie. Uh, six foot two, 190 pounds. The number 63 ranked wide receiver in the country, 476 overall. I don't think that'll be his final ranking. Um, he is a bit of an under-the-radar prospect. We're going to get Zach on here Monday or Tuesday and go a little bit more in-depth on his commitment. That happened on, what's today, Sunday? That happened on Friday? Friday. Friday, Friday. afternoon. Yep. Andrew um, Ivins had the scoop, broke it. Andrew Ivins with the scoop. Now, Darren Lawrence did make my top 10 most wanted that came out on Thursday. Ooh. And there were some people questioning why Darren Lawrence would be in the top 10 most wanted. Well, the very next day he committed. Um, this isn't a surprise. Darren Lawrence has been on campus three times since March 5th. He, he was at Florida State's Elite Junior Day. He came back the following weekend and then was back again on April 2nd. So he has been on campus three times. The tie with him is Kiwan Ratliff, Florida State's new off-field hire. Mm -hmm. um, he's known Rat for a while and uh, had a great relationship that got Florida State's foot in the door there. And then the visits kind of sealed the deal with him. So we'll have Zach on to talk about Goldie talk about Florida State's commit class uh, next week. But this week, it's just me and Brendan. You got anything else? Or are we done here? Nope. I like the take of, of Goldie Lawrence. I don't think you want him to be your number one wide receiver in the class. But if he's like your second or third, I'm, he does a lot of things really well. Maybe not elite in any one area, but just a good gritty wide receiver, a quote unquote football player. He does a lot of things well. And so I, I like the take. I was happy with it. So that's it. That's it. We'll, uh, hey, we have five more practices left this mm -hmm. spring. Uh, we will have access, I believe, to every single one of them. So just keep checking those 24-7 for our practice reports. And then a week from well, yes, a week from today, we'll, a week from yesterday will be a spring game. A week from today, we'll probably be doing our spring uh, spring game recap show. So, yeah. Instant around. reaction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good job, Brendan. Uh, we will be back in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to On The of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen